This is a major podcast and we call it UNFTR. I'm fucking the Republic is the name that is not safe for work. We hate Reagan, Milton Friedman, Rupert Murdoch, and Matt Gates. Talk socioeconomics, global markets, politics, and race. Max, the host, is basic and admits he likes Miami Vice. 99 produces, also she's a vegan and she's nice. Manny Faces is the genius on the board behind the glass. Together they produce this unbelievable fucking podcast. 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 Oh, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, by the way, my name is Tom McGovern, and just know that I'm a hired gun. So if you're gonna hate somebody, please don't let me be the one. Now you have the details of the show and the entire cast. So listen to this unbelievable fucking podcast. So listen to this unbelievable, this unbelievable, so listen to this unbelievable fucking podcast. Max's congressman was just arrested on fraud charges. Texas GOP Representative Brian Slayton recently resigned after allegations of sexual misconduct with a 19-year-old staffer emerged. Slayton had previously introduced a bill banning minors from witnessing drag shows because it's part of the LGBTQ culture of grooming. We could go on for days, weeks, maybe years. It's little wonder people are sick of politicians. Politics is historically corrupt here and abroad and from time immemorial. And it often stinks more at the bottom than the top. Local politics is a breeding ground for stupidity and corruption because of the low barrier to entry. So when someone like Marianne Williamson comes along with a message of love, hope, and healing, it's tempting to give it a shot. We know that this country is plagued by many challenges now not the least of which is hatred and division, which is greater than any of us have experienced in our national life. And it is our job to create a vision of justice and love that is so powerful that it will override the forces of hatred and injustice and fear. You may be able to look past Robert Kennedy's stance on vaccines because he appears principled and consistent. And oh, that last name. Issues that I think most America, most Americans and probably most Democrats are concerned about, um, which is the systematic gutting of the middle class, the elevation of, um, of corporations, uh, and particularly polluting corporations and, you know, from the financial industry, from the military industrial complex, the this kind of corrupt merger of state and corporate power, which is uh, systematically hollowing out the American middle class through wars, through you know bank bailouts, through lockdowns, et cetera, where we're just printing money to make billionaires richer. And uh, you know, the, the, uh, the American middle class, during the, the COVID lockdown, there was a three, a $4.4 trillion shift in wealth from the middle American middle class to this this new oligarchy of uh, of, of billionaires. We created 500 new billionaires with the lockdown and the billionaires that we already had increased their wealth by 30 percent. The Democratic field of candidates consists of President Joe Biden, spiritual guide Marianne Williamson and environmental advocate Robert Kennedy Jr. The Republican field is already cluttered with a car full of clowns, including disgraced former President Trump, 
conservative talk show host Larry Elder, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, and Corey Stapleton, former Secretary of State of Montana. These are the choices presented to the American public for the highest office in the land. Now, I consider myself a progressive, and Joe Biden, far and away, has my vote. And here's why. Because this isn't a fucking game. Unfucking the Republic is brought to you by over-caffeinated members, Nathan Surst, Nettie Hugger One, Pete M, Rob Nasby, Rodrigo G, Ryan F, Sultan, Specker, Terry C, the younger PDX Squatch, William N, W. Jeremy D, and the memory of Nettie McGee. Forget the Republican field. That's of no concern to this audience. Let's talk progressivism. And I'm not going to get lost in the accusations against Williamson and Kennedy. They've been around long enough to have compiled a litany of embarrassing statements and positions that should discount them entirely from the process. From healing nuclear radiation with prayer to saying that at least Germans could cross the Alps to escape the Nazis, unlike the COVID lockdowns in America, these are real things uttered by Williamson and Kennedy, respectively. Joe Biden has said and done awful things as well throughout his career, so I'm certainly not going to measure candidates by the ridiculous things that they've said over the years. This is a different argument, one that challenges progressives to think critically about what it is we're trying to build in this country. Both Williamson and Kennedy are promoting a progressive agenda. Break up the oligarchy, get money out of politics, reparations for black people in the case of Williamson, punishing polluting corporations, universal health care, criminal justice reform, Name the major issue on the progressive platform to the extent that there's consensus, and they conveniently check the boxes. So why not applaud them for running? Max, haven't you said before that it's important to run progressives in primaries to help promote and expand our ideals? Isn't it incumbent upon us to challenge the establishment Democrats if for no other reason than to force them to shift to the left, just like Bernie did to Biden? Likewise, on the right, hasn't the extreme right pushed the establishment Republicans to the far right in order to shore up the base of the party? Yes, yes, and yes. So what's the problem? First off, the aspirations they have are just that, aspirations. The practical reality of the current environment is that none of the conditions they seek currently exist, and so they need to be fought for and earned. The system they're stepping into doesn't allow for magical thinking with zero experience. Forget the fact that they've skipped the line in such egregious fashion. Lost a congressional race, Marianne? Shit, just run for president then. We have one example in our very brief history of a candidate with zero experience actually winning the top job, and it literally tore the country apart. Instead of draining the swamp, Trump backfilled it with the worst people in the world, and we got what we paid for. That's what happens when you don't have a team or a plan, expertise, experience, coalitions. The system overwhelms you and the worst elements take over key positions of influence because the serious people will have nothing to do with you. These two are representing the progressive brand and we're letting it happen. Every awful thing that they've said and done will be surfaced and they'll be mercilessly mocked by the establishment media. Opposition research will feed the punditry beast and donors will flee. That's the system we have and these aren't the people to overcome it. Do you know how fucking hard it is to pass a piece of legislation? No? Well, guess who else doesn't know? The two so-called progressive candidates. Zero elections won between them. Zero pieces of legislation passed.
You know, people have this notion that politics is easy. It's the biggest spectator sport in the world that everyone assumes they can play. These two are asking to fly the plane because they've traveled, to prepare your food because they've eaten in restaurants, to dunk the ball because they've sat courtside at a Knicks game. Fuck that. Williamson and Kennedy don't have a snowball's chance in hell of beating the establishment, but they're gonna accomplish something big, and I mean huge, and it's a gift to the Republicans and the establishment Democrats wrapped in a bow. They're going to destroy the credibility of Bernie's movement and all of the progressive caucus members, the real ones, by putting themselves out there as progressives. There's two elements to this critique. First is the campaign. Second is doing the actual job. In terms of the election, as former New York Governor Mario Cuomo famously said, quote, you campaign in poetry and govern in prose. These candidates are certainly capable of poetry. They've got all the buzzwords and phrases down, especially Williamson, who has been grifting for secular Jesus for decades by preaching the word of the bullshit course in miracles. Her acolytes are quick to point out the double standard of calling her out for talking about the soul of America when Joe Biden literally made that his campaign slogan. Or how the Catholic Church is just a corrupt organization that issued visas to Nazis after the war or covered up pedophilia for decades. Hey, Mitt Romney, tell me again about those gold tablets your guy found in Rochester that said men can have multiple wives. Doesn't the Bible promote slavery? How is Williamson's poetic and spiritual view of the world any more dangerous than literally every other religion? For that, I turn to 99. Recently on the show, we've been talking about the concept of separation, separating the art from the artist, the person from their work. I'd like to bridge that discussion into the separation of church and state, a phrase coined by Jefferson and an ideal that this country was founded on. You know, because the right loves to talk about what the founders intended. Unfuckers know the origins of and importance of this concept, so I won't linger here, but it's something we must consider as we approach the primaries and our slate of candidates, specifically Marianne Williamson. I read aloud the description of a Conspirituality podcast episode on Williamson a few weeks back. It began, quote, Is Marianne Williamson's promotion of A Course in Miracles any more relevant to her political persona than Biden's Catholicism? If it demonstrably informs her every instinct and communication, as we expect it would given she sermonizes out of it every day, then yes, end quote. So according to a Pew Research survey on the religion of Biden and Harris, quote, eight in 10 Democrats, which is 79%, say Joe Biden mentions his religious faith and prayer about the right amount, end quote. The right amount. Hmm. Just this month, Biden established a national day of prayer. Quote, now, therefore I, Joseph R. Biden Jr., President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, do hereby proclaim May 4th, 2023 as a national day of prayer. I call upon the citizens of our nation to give thanks in accordance with their own faith and conscience for our many freedoms and blessings, and I invite all people of faith to join me in asking for God's continued guidance, mercy, and protection, end quote. I gotta say, uh, that's a little overkill for me, but fine, I can deal with it. So Biden establishes a national day of prayer, goes to service every week, and he talks about his faith here and there. Williamson, on the other hand, is not just a person with religion in her life. She is led by religion, which she calls spiritual psychotherapy. There is no separating her from her beliefs, which will absolutely bleed into her politics. I took a look at both of her websites. 
her campaign site, and her personal website, which I would wager have been sanitized a bit in anticipation of her run. Her campaign website is pretty straightforward. We've got her issues, ranging from women's rights to an anti-poverty plan, some blogs, an embed of her Twitter feed. And then I moved on to her personal business website, the Williamson Learning Center. Here you can find a nearly identical bio to that of her campaign website, along with courses on the divine alignment of body and soul, or the law of divine compensation. In the latter course, you'll learn, quote, the basic principles of a miracle mindset and the laws of the miraculous, how to align yourselves with the principles of a self-organizing and self-correcting universe, becoming more and more empowered in your lives as we learn to live in alignment with divine intelligence, end quote. And of course, Williamson will quote, discuss how our not allowing the spirit to flow through us is what keeps us in limited career patterns and how dedicating our work to higher purposes gives it the winning edge, end quote. Right, we have a 3.4% unemployment rate because all of those people aren't allowing the spirit to flow. I could go on and on comparing what she believes and shills for profit to what she claims to believe for her campaign. If I look closely at her anti-poverty plan, will I find spirit flow instructions for the impoverished? Or is that just what we'll get if she's elected? She talks a good game and she's charismatic. It's how she's gotten this far. She knows the talking points to hit to ingratiate herself to people like us who want change, progress, and equality. That's simply just not who she is. I find myself struggling to put this succinctly when there are experts, like the guys at Conspirituality, who have been studying this for years and have unraveled her shtick so thoroughly. I hate to give homework, but truly I implore everyone to listen to their coverage of Williamson to fully grasp the nature of how insidious and deceptive she is. Now, let's pivot to another form of separation. Can you separate a piece of shit from the asshole who birthed it? And that disgusting turn of phrase is for you, Max. Of course, I'm talking about RFK Jr., the aforementioned asshole. And the shit? That would be most things that come out of his mouth. Exactly what we need to quote, heal the divide, an anti-vax, aka anti-science candidate, who says things like quote, even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps to Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. We cannot let this line of thinking leach further into our national discourse than it already has. As Taylor Swift says, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. We had this guy, four years of him. Trump was a wolf in wolf's clothing, but we still let him in. And directly because of his rhetoric and endorsements of far right thinking, we have 1.13 million Americans dead from COVID and related comorbidities, with many suffering the effects of long COVID, an environmental crisis heading in the wrong direction. Honestly, no thanks to Uncle Jay as well. Our rights are being stripped away every day, and, and, I could continue this list until my beloved pigs fly, but y'all get the picture. We cannot let these sheeps, pun intended, charm their way into the White House. Some good beliefs does not a good president make. Let's look between the very obvious lines at what these people actually stand for. Good work, 99, you're a lifesaver. UNFTR is also sponsored by overcaffeinated members Alfie and Flash, Awesome A, Asshole, Brie X, Cindy S, David MJ, Eric Wagner 101, Goat, G Wookie of Ohio, Joa, Cringy, Marco F, 
Maria from PR, Matthew, Michelle H., and Nathan E. Without going further on the candidates' particular grifts, let's go back into the election and talk about how Williamson and Kennedy are going to get smoked. That comes down to the fundamental reality that exists in the current structure of our politics. Money talks, bullshit walks. Does that need to change? Of course. That's the central thesis of this entire show. Are these the candidates that are going to change it? No. They have no organizations, no ground game, no allies at the state and local levels willing to hurl themselves in front of a moving train to accomplish something. No evidence that they can build coalitions. And followings are not coalitions. People with followers who look to get into politics at quite literally the highest level without understanding anything of the process or the real power players become demagogues. Again, for reference, see one Donald J. Trump. Now, it sounds like I'm making a swamp argument. I know that I want more of the same bureaucratic politicians who grew up inside the system and are corrupted by it. But there's a difference. Take the beloved Obama-Biden team that establishment Democrats love so dearly. Obama, Harvard Law, constitutional law scholar, community organizer, senator, president, chose one of the most seasoned senators as his running mate to overcome his lack of credentials in youth. Someone who could twist arms in Congress and get things done. The guy behind the guy who knew where the bodies were buried. They came in with a mandate and a majority in both houses, even with a filibuster-proof majority for a period of time. And what happened? No bankers were punished after the financial crisis. They hunted down journalists and chilled speech, passed sweeping healthcare reform that was written by insurance companies, remained in the protracted wars abroad, didn't tax the rich, spent years negotiating a back-channel secret treaty that would have allowed corporations to abuse the poor and working class in other nations. Inequality widened. The recovery took years longer than it should have. Guantanamo stayed open. Nothing material improved for black and brown people. Dreamers weren't given citizenship. Hold on, aren't you contradicting your exact point about a professional political class? Yes and no. There's a lot here, so bear with me. Three points using the person that Democrats believe to be the best president of their lifetime to illustrate the need for a functional progressive revolution within the Democratic Party led by a professional class of politicians. Point one, Obama was incredibly well-credentialed just like RFK Jr., who also attended Harvard, got a law degree from UVA, overcame personal obstacles, and went on to pursue a robust career as an environmental justice attorney and fierce critic of U.S. militarism, corporate pollution, and the treatment of poor and marginalized people. And Obama was able to galvanize the nation with a message of hope and change, just like Marianne Williamson and the legions of devout followers she has amassed as a successful speaker and author. And yet, once he ascended to the top spot in the nation, with a mandate from the public and a clear majority, he instantly fell into the machine and was ground by the gears of neoliberalism. Why? Because he had the words, but not the background or the discipline, and all he had to do to sell a progressive profile was be more liberal than Hillary Clinton. So basically, it, it takes more than speeches and rhetoric to implement real change. Even in the best of circumstances, with everything in his favor to pursue a progressive agenda, Obama delivered more of the same and was a gift to the neoliberal establishment. Precisely. Point two. Why is Biden getting more of a progressive agenda done than any other president in our lifetime? 
And before you punch your phone or your car speaker, consider this. We're not at war. The use of drone strikes has fallen off the map. We're making an historic investment into clean energy initiatives and infrastructure. There's a plan to offer student debt relief, regardless of what happens at the Supreme Court. He did what no one else has done. He actually got a gun safety bill passed, passed the CHIPS Act to onshore semiconductor manufacturing, increased taxes on corporations, capped prescription drug out-of-pocket costs. Wait, you've literally criticized everything on this list in one way or another. Yes, because they didn't go far enough. And beyond this, he's made a bunch of terrible moves as well. But I've been clear that it's way more than Obama did. In fact, it's the most progress we've made on progressive issues since Lyndon Johnson. The reason it doesn't feel like it is because we've failed the lower and middle classes of this country so badly over the past 70 years that we've forgotten what success looks like. So yeah, I'm taking the victories and the scraps because it demonstrates that forward progress is possible. But that's not actually the point here. The point is this. There is no fucking way any of this is on the agenda without Bernie Sanders. Bernie scared the shit out of the establishment because he was actually winning the primary before South Carolina. If not for Clyburn and COVID, we'll never really know what might have been. But I know this, he had the DNC on the ropes and a few things happened as a result. First off, over the past decade or so, we've seen a wave of progressive candidates that grew up under Bernie's messaging. Inequality, Medicare for all, stop endless wars. Bernie didn't invent these concepts, but he popularized them because he's been saying them the longest as a public official. Now people say, oh, Bernie wouldn't have done anything as president because he can't get legislation passed. But you're looking at it backwards. Has he sponsored and passed sweeping legislation like Medicare for all? Nope, but it's getting harder to pass things without him and the base of support that he's amassed. And every victory Biden points to has Bernie's fingerprints all over it. And in that way, he's been massively influential. You can't work around Bernie any longer. Bernie Sanders is the most responsible for shaping the successful parts of the Biden agenda because he's been in it. He knows his way around, built a following inside and outside the political system, stayed on message, built coalitions in every town, every municipality, every precinct, every district. He didn't ask to fly the plane because he's been a passenger. He's not cooking the meal because he's eaten in restaurants. He did the fucking work, took the shots, shouted at the rain, and then got back to work, inch by inch, to turn this ship around. I'm in the middle of turning a fucking tanker! Now lastly, point number fucking three. I spent close to 30 years, if, if not more, helping to build the conservative legal movement. And at some point or another, you know, I just said to myself, well, if this can work for law, why can't it work for lots of other areas of American culture and American life where things are really messed up right now? Wokeism in the corporate environment, in the educational environment, one-sided journalism, entertainment that's really corrupting our youth. Why can't we build talent pipelines and networks that can positively affect those areas as well? To see a leader, a real leader at the helm of an institution that matters, that has the kind of throw weight that Heritage does, was thrilling, was absolutely thrilling for me. If there's one element in my social philosophy, in my ethical philosophy that's predominant, it is that the ultimate unit is a human being, the individual, and that society is a means whereby we jointly 
achieve our objectives. I would argue that the social and moral issues are all on the side of free trade. The first person you heard was Leonard Leo, the head of the Federalist Society, talking about the 30-year process to bend the courts to the right and stack the federal and Supreme Courts with activist conservative ideologues. How did he do it? He started in the law schools. That's why it took 30 years. And now we have a conservative 6-3 majority on the Supreme Court. He was so successful, he believes it's a blueprint to take over every institution in this country. The second clip was Tucker's last speech before being fired from Fox. It was given at the 50th anniversary of the Heritage Foundation. We've addressed Heritage many times before, but those in need of a refresher, this is the Koch brother invention that spearheaded the Reagan tax cuts that gutted the middle class and set us on the course of inequality we have today. Climate change denial, school choice, vouchers, and charter schools, blaming Islam for instability and fomenting wars abroad, even Obamacare as a way to line the pockets of insurance companies and take us off the path toward universal health care. They boasted that during the Reagan years, the administration was filled with heritage people, a tradition that continues to this day, and that Reagan adopted 775 of their proposals over his eight years, in case you're wondering what their hit ratio has been. The third clip is from your favorite economist and mine, Milton Friedman. Say it loud, say it with me, yo, fuck Milton Friedman. Now, I think we've done enough to demonstrate how Friedman's neoliberal philosophies came to dominate the Republican Party and even infected the core of the Democratic Party establishment, with Bill Clinton reaching the pinnacle of Friedman's doctrine. A 30-year assault on the judiciary, building networks of conservative justices, beginning at the law school level, before these assholes were even lawyers. A 50-year assault on the poor and middle class at the hands of the Heritage Foundation that created the blueprint for neoliberal model legislation and turned out candidates year after year to promote their theories. The Milton clip is from a 10-part documentary series he produced in 1980. That's four decades ago. The Chicago School molded generations of policymakers and influential figures who architected policy frameworks that gilded the corporate class in this country and solidified the oligarchy. This is the real fucking course in miracles. Williamson and Kennedy, with no practical experience, no legislative wins, no coalitions, no infrastructure, no talent pipeline, no organizations, no blueprint. These are the faces of progressivism? This is sending lambs to slaughter, and all the while, they're going to be flying the progressive flag and damaging the brand. This isn't a game. It's for professionals only. Williamson's bizarre version of Jesus isn't going to save this country. Kennedy's last name and pseudoscience won't either. You want to use your fame and power to throw your support from the sidelines? Be my guest. But to assume that because people attend your spiritual seminars or that you hail from a political dynasty, and let's be honest, it's a tainted one at that. You can pull off the same trick that Donald Trump did and just waltz into the Oval Office? Go sell your bullshit somewhere else because we have work to do. We've got serious problems and we need serious people. I've taken criticism from listeners about this idea of a professional political class. Some are even rather agitated, as I'm sure Williamson and Kennedy's followers would be, to hear this particular critique. But as usual, most unfuckers are willing to engage in productive dialogue about it, like our friend Cam, who said this. 
quote, you mentioned a professional political class, which I see how one could conflate that with the swamp. However, it seems like you're describing what Lenin called a vanguard party, I believe. One that requires members to be educated on what is currently revolutionary theory and geared towards serving the people, not capital, end quote. Cam, that's precisely what I mean, though I'm obviously looking for a better outcome than what Leninism became. Not to get too far afield, but the Marxist-Leninist Trotskyites at the time all believed that Germany, not Russia, was the fertile ground in which to plant the seeds of socialism because it was an established capitalist state. For that matter, America was considered the most obvious candidate. But yes, the Vanguard Party, which was ultimately conflated with Leninism as a party, was intended to educate the proletariat on revolutionary theory and the intricacies of political systems. Now, we have the former already. The youth vote in this country has the tenets of progressivism down. They understand the revolutionary theory aspect of this. The gap is the construction of the political system and apparatus capable of overthrowing the current system because neoliberalism has a 50-year head start on us. Every progressive attorney, like Larry Krasner that runs for DA, every local organizer that runs for town council, every principled attorney, like Jamie Raskin, that runs for Congress and learns the ropes and fights in the trenches. Now, you know my list. It's AOC. It's Cori Bush, Jamie Raskin, Pramila Jayapal, Barbara Lee. It's Governor Josh Shapiro. It's Bernie. We have the models, but we need to go downstream and continue building coalitions of support on the ground. I mean, look at Steve Bannon recruiting poll watchers and precinct captains. That's how fucking organized the right is. 2004, the last time Republicans won the popular vote. That's how much they've rigged the system. They don't need majorities to govern because they've taken over the building from the basement on up. And we're so focused on partying in the penthouse, we don't even realize there's no escaping the building from the top. That's why Democrats are painted as elites. We're not winning the ground game. We're not winning hearts and minds in every precinct, in every county, in every state. Go ahead and love Marianne. Listen to her thoughts on special Jesus and pray away storms all you want. Listen to RFK Jr. give a lecture in a room full of unvaccinated people. I don't care. Just get the fuck out of this race and leave it to the professionals. We have work to do, and whether you win or lose by some special course in miracles, you're only going to damage the progressive brand. Here endeth the lesson. It's the end of the episode where we used to do show notes. Now we just talk through a few things. Reflect on what was said or what we should have done instead. Oh, post-show musings. I'll keep post-show musings short, unfuckers, because obviously I'm a little wound up. Also, 99 and I are in different locations, so we actually recorded our stuff separately and we... Gave it to the great Manny Faces to put it all together. And you get what you get. Just a reminder to everybody, please, if you can, try to support us through memberships on the website. You can find all the information that you need or by buying our native roasted coffee. We did have some great news and in getting into the creative circle on YouTube. So we're going to start to build that channel up and do whatever we can to keep things rolling here so that we can continue building on this message in terms of this message today. 
please understand that I'm not going after the policies and the issues that Williamson and Kennedy are putting out into the ether. They've been all they've already been very, very careful about downplaying some of the things that have gotten them into hot water over the years and promoting their progressive agendas. And Biden should debate them. I mean, I'm frustrated about that piece of it. Don't get me wrong. Like they're in it. So, okay, go up there. But I'm just so fucking mad that the progressives bench is not developed enough yet to really put somebody out there to continue challenging Joe Biden, even if it was folly and we weren't going to make any headway. We need somebody that represents the progressive brand that is unassailable at that level in order to be able to mount a, a real offense against the establishment Democrats. And we can't continue to give fodder to the right wing to brand progressives as absolute nut jobs, because that's what they're going to do. Just watch, just wait and see. Not that it matters what happens on the right, because it's not like we're trying to woo any people over there, right? But there is something happening on the ground with the youth movement. The youth movement that does not see the world through the political binary. And so they're willing to overlook certain aspects of the party apparatus to go for issues specifically. And in that case, there might be elements of what RFK is saying about vaccines that woos some people over from the right that damages the progressive brand. There are people that believe in the new age movement and spiritualism and all of the things that come along with it that are on the right about, you know, the, the healing power of prayer. I mean, I guarantee that, yes, she has a progressive agenda, but a ton of the people that follow her are probably built from that same sort of fabric of, you know, cult belief that prayer can overcome radiation and can stop fucking storms. I mean, that's a very right wing kind of thing to be into. Am I right? So they have the ability to pull some people over. This isn't what we want. Okay, we have very capable politicians, legislators, orators. I mean, all of the things that come along with creating a, a very solid political candidate. All of the magic that was within the Obama campaign, but with the actual practical necessity of getting things done on the ground. So I'm just afraid that they're going to destroy what we've built up and the credibility that we've had in building this coalition behind Bernie. Now, if Bernie had a failing, it was that it was still, as much as he spoke about it being a revolution, it was still Bernie in the lead chair, and he wasn't necessarily building his bench behind him. Yes, we have progressives moving in there that are cut from Bernie's cloth. I get it. But to be a substantial party within a party, remember we talked about the parliamentary aspect of the system that we have now. Yes, we have a Democratic and, and Republican sides, and it looks like a binary. But in the governing process, it's more parliamentary than you think because you've got people scratching and biting to get legislation passed that has to build co deep coalitions with people on the far right all the way to the far left, and that's how shit gets done. So from that standpoint, we have to continue winning the ground game election by election, state by state, town by town, county by county. That's how this gets done. But if we just throw in behind somebody who's built something purely on popular messaging, then we're just backing our own form of demagoguery that is not going to get the job done. We have to do better than this. And that's why I believe that they are damaging the brand. 
obviously I'm waiting for your feedback. It's going to be really important here. We have to address your feedback and let's keep let's keep digging away at this. This is sort of the the end cap to the discussion that we've been having on money and politics and the oligarchy, the fact that we have some terrible people out there that are, you know, uh, that we need to separate from the policies and and all that kind of stuff that comes along with the independent platforms that are out there all the way to the establishment media. So this is sort of the end cap to that discussion to talk about how it is that we can continue to frame a progressive movement. I hope it uh, landed correctly. I'm sorry if it was a little aggressive. And also, I'm not sorry. Go to unftr.com for everything you need to know about this. This show is produced by the all-powerful 99. The audio engineering is from the exquisite, exquisite hands and ears of the great Manny Faces. All the original music is produced by Tom McGovern. Go to tommcgovern.com. You can get our coffee, get membership information. You can read all of the essays, no longer on Substack, folks. So make sure you find all of the essays throughout the history of the show over at unftr.com. Take out a membership to support us. Give us a five-star review if you get a chance. And for the love of God, go to YouTube, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and tell a friend. Catch you next week, on fuckers.